and I'll go ahead and get going here. Let's see. So tonight we've got a super special guest, someone very close to our hearts here at Christ the King. Father Josh Johnson is a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge and is currently the pastor of Holy Rosary Catholic Church in St. Amant. While Father Josh was raised Catholic, he didn't like the church growing up. And one day, in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, he fell in love with Jesus and perceived the call to become a priest. He's a nationally recognized speaker and presents regularly on the topics of conversion, virtue, and vice, avoiding the near occasion of sin, growing in the spiritual life, and forming intentional disciples of Jesus Christ across the racial divide. Um, you probably know him from Ascension Press, right, to like Mike Schmitz as well. So he's a little famous, you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> he's also the author of Broken and Blessed, an invitation to, gener to my generation, a pocket guide to adoration, and Power and Grace, a guide to the Catholic sacraments. Um, and you can keep up with him on his weekly podcast called Ask Father Josh. And his greatest desire is to become a saint and for saints for the kingdom of God, which is a pretty good, great desire. So without any further ado, Father Josh Johnson. So before we pray, uh, just speaking of Father Mike Schmidt, so one time I, I was invited uh, with Father Mike and Sister Miriam and some other people to speak at the World Meeting of Families when Pope Francis came to America a number of years ago. And uh, I was walking with Sister Miriam, and y'all know Sister Miriam James, right? Shout out Sister Miriam. And so some girls like, oh, my gosh, Sister Miriam, we love you. And they were like fangirl over her, and she was like, oh, no, you know, it's okay, like whatever. And so after that, um, uh, someone saw me, and they were like, oh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I was like, yeah, see, sister, I got it too. And they're like, you're that guy from Father Mike Schmidt's video. And I was like, that's, that's all I am is Father Mike Schmidt's friend. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, Heavenly Father. I thank you, I praise you, I adore you, I bless you. God, I ask that you give me the grace this evening to have the gift of tongues, to communicate only that which you desire for me to share with your beloved, with your bride. And I said you give your beloved the gift of interpretation of tongues to only hear that which you want them to hear. For their sanctification, for the transformation of this campus. And so that in everything that we think, every word that we speak, and every action that we do, we may always glorify you. Give us the grace to perceive your love and receive your love in a profound way this evening to fall in love, to stay in love, and to abide in your love on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's such a gift to be with y'all. It's been a while since I've been here at Christ the King, and you might hear my voice. I'm a little, I'm a little sick. I've been going through a season of just up and down with my health. Uh, and one of my coworkers asked me recently, she said, Father Josh, like, what's going on? Like, there's something's different. You've been really sick in these past few months. You've been in and out of the doctor's office. What's going on with your health? And so I, I didn't realize, but I said, I have been really, really sick lately. Um, and so I went to the Adoration Chapel, and I just brought that to Jesus. Jesus like, what's going on with my health? Why am I up and down and up and down? And I asked the Lord, I said, when was the last time I was really healthy? And, and what preceded that? And the memory that came to me was I, was I was really healthy whenever I was at St. Aloysius, which is 
Um, yeah, shout out to Aloysius. Okay, okay. Uh, you don't even go here. Why? It's mean girls, it's cool. Uh, just trying to be fetch. Uh, but I was like really healthy at Aloysius, and what preceded that was a season of like being like super unhealthy. And guess where I was when I was like really unhealthy? LSU, right. <laughs> yeah, not, not Southern, LSU. So what had happened was is I got ordained, and Pope Francis was like, hey, I want my priest to smell like the sheep. And so I was here at Christ the King, LSU, 2014, and I was like, yo, Pope Francis, like, I don't want to smell like college students because some of them really don't smell that good. Um, but I do want to be where they're at. And so where do college students spend a lot of time? Like, with a lot of college students uh, hang out at Raising Cane's and at uh, Wiener Schnitzel, the hot dogs, like, they are so good. And uh, the chili dogs, you get, like, five hot dogs for $5. It is so disgusting. Uh, and I would spend a lot of time wherever the college students were at, and I would just be with y'all and share Jesus and love on y'all. But at that time, um, I just began to get really, really sick, and I was going in and out of the doctor's office. And I also experienced what some of you have experienced your first year at LSU, which is the, the freshman 15. Even though I was a grown man, I gained 15 pounds my first year here at LSU, which did not make sense to me because, I don't know if you could tell, but... I was doing CrossFit. <laughs> you see that right now? No. And uh, I got the little things on my hand that the CrossFit people have. Um, and but I was getting, like, really unhealthy. And I was sick. And then I went to Aloysius. And when I got to Aloysius, uh, I continued to be really sick. Uh, and I continued to gain weight, which I did not understand why. Um, I was getting so much bigger. And I was also so much sicker. So I thought something must be really really wrong with me. And um, so I'm a hypochondriac. And uh, I I called my doctor and I got some blood work done. I was like, maybe I have like thyroid stuff or some metabolism stuff. I don't know what's going on. And then after I visited with my doctor, he texted me one day and he was like, hey, uh, father, I have some good news and some some bad news. He said, the good news is this. The good news is um, you don't have anything wrong with your thyroids, like nothing wrong with your metabolism, like all this. That's great. He, uh, he said, the bad news is you're just fat. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Um, he goes to Aloysius in case y'all yeah, want to go get him. But no, but it inspired me, right, to like, okay, well, what is it? Because I'm working out. Um, so what is it? So I changed my diet. When I changed my diet, not only did I lose the weight, but I also got really healthy. I was no longer experiencing illnesses. Um, and so then I looked at my life now where I'm at as a pastor, and I recognized, oh, man, like, I haven't been following my rule of life with regards to food. Like when I eat certain foods, I experience actually health benefits. And when I eat other foods that aren't good for me, my health begins to decline and I actually get sick quite often. And so if we find that something is working, we should probably stick to it when something works. And that that same rule also applies uh, for Lent. We've been in Lent now for what, uh, a little over a week. And many of us have begun to experience some some graces, we have begun to practice some Lenten penances with fasting and prayer and almsgiving. But the, the point of, of the Lenten fast and the point of the Lenten prayer is that as we fast from certain goods, we are drawn to spend more time with Jesus in prayer. And if we experience growth in virtue as we are praying more, if we experience interior peace, then that means that that's something we should probably stick to once Lent is over as well. If it's working, why change it? 
If it's not working, that's whenever we go back to the drawing board and we say, well, something needs to change. Right? So even if, as you begun Lent last week, if you've been noticing, hey, look, like the fast that I'm doing is not drawing me to spend more time with Jesus. It's not drawing me to feel, feel the ache of what good I'm missing. Then you don't have to stick to that, right? God gave us ten commandments, and whatever you discern isn't one of them. And so you can always go back and say, okay, Lord, I'm open to doing something new with regards to a fast. So the fast that we do is not something that everybody else is doing. It's what's going to help me long for Jesus. What am I actually going to, to feel? Whenever I was in seminary, a bunch of seminarians got together and they decided, hey, we should all fast from taking hot showers. We should take cold showers for the duration of Lent in reparation for the sins of our past. And I thought that was a great idea. I didn't really discern it, but everybody else was doing it, so I thought I should do it too. So it began on Ash Wednesday. Guess how long I lasted? One day, dude, really? Come on, bro. Two days, dog. It was, it was like totally Friday. Um, but, but I didn't tell anybody, and so, because I didn't want to be like that, that guy that like gave up too soon. And so um, I, by Friday, I was like over it. That's not going to work for me. And so what I do when I take showers is I sing. Like I'm in concert. Like when I'm in a shower, I become like Luther Vandross. I'm like, here and now. And I'm just, I can go for hours. Um, and one day, weeks into Lent, when all my other brother seminarians were experiencing the ache and they were suffering and they were growing in their relationship with Jesus, because they were praying more, um, I was in the shower, and the steam was, like, up in the air, and I was probably singing, with you in there, that, and Father Brad Doyle, who was in seminary with me, he was like, Josh, is, is that you in there? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally normal to, to, for dudes to talk whenever, like, one's in the shower, and so I'm having a conversation with him, you know, between the curtain, and, uh, and he's like, so how, how you doing? I'm like, man, I'm doing great, and so he says, yeah, uh, so you're clearly taking a hot shower. And I was like, yeah. And so he said, how long? And I said, bro, like two days. I'm so sorry. Please don't tell anybody. So we don't do a fast. We don't take on a fast just because everyone else is taking on that particular fast. Right? We don't take on a fast that's not going to work for us. So we have to discern, what am I actually going to feel so that I can be drawn to Jesus, so I can experience more of God? I can encounter his love. What is going to work for me? And so what's not going to work? Like for me, if I gave up candy, I wouldn't feel that. It would not make a difference for me. So we have to discern, like, what's going to make me feel the ache? For me, a penance I received a number of years ago that I then incorporated as a Lenten fast um, was this. I was hanging out with one of my buddies who's a priest, not Father Andrew. Um, and the priest heard my confession, and the penance he gave me was this. He said, all right. For your penance, you cannot sing for a whole day. <laughs> He's the worst dude ever. Um, and so I, I didn't know if he said that because he didn't want to hear me sing anymore because I sing all day long. But for me, that was a tough penance because I literally like, sing all the time. I'm in the shower. I'm in the car. I'm walking like to, like, to and from a funeral. Um, and I'm, I'm just singing happy songs. Um, so I felt it. And every time I wanted to sing... I stopped myself, and I invited Jesus there. So it was a penance that really drew me to encounter God, to grow in my relationship with God. That's, that's the point of our Lenten fast, is so that it's something that can draw me 
to experience more of Jesus in prayer. But we can't experience more of Jesus in prayer if we don't know Jesus. We actually have to, to know the Lord to be able to experience him in prayer, in our living vital relationship, because there's a huge difference between just like knowing about God from what we heard on the podcast or what we read in the books or we heard in the sermons and actually knowing God. Um, I, I learned this, this truth, this reality actually um, through, through heartbreak, um, through heartbreak, through someone who um, I, was, I was really in love with, who um, I, I credit for, for changing my life and it really helping me um, to discern the priesthood well and fall more in love with Jesus. Um, this, this, this woman who I was in love with, uh, uh, her name was uh, Mariah Carey. And um, first time I saw her, I was, it was like 1994 maybe, back when she had the curly hair, and she sang that song, Something was something. Something, something, something. So, yeah, so she was like, oh, she was so beautiful. And I saw her, and I was probably like like eight or nine. So it wouldn't have worked out. But I was like, man, one day I'm going to see her. She's going to see me, and we're going to fall in love. And we're, we're definitely, we're both mixed, so it's like it's going to work out well. Um, be an awesome couple. And, uh, and as you all know, right, as you get older, like some of you all have gone from high school to college to grad school to whatever, and sometimes your taste changes, and so I was definitely, like, it was real love for many years, but then I got to high school, and when I got to high school, just, you know, things changed, and a new woman came into my life, um, and her name was um, Jennifer Lopez, um, Jenny from the block, and uh, I wasn't full from the rocks that she got, um, but so Jennifer Lopez came in my life, and it just, same thing happened, like, I, I knew that one day we would see each other, and I mean, and I knew she dated black guys because she dated Puff Daddy. And so I was like, all right, I have a chance um, with her. And then after that, I went to Steubenville South in 2004, and I encountered Jesus in the Eucharist, fell in love with the Lord, proceeded to invite me to be a priest, went to seminary. Everything was great until I heard this, this news that was, it was devastating. And, I mean, it's still kind of difficult for me to talk about, um, but I'm, I'm going to try right now. Um, so I'm in seminary. I'm discerning this, this path, this calling to be a priest. And I hear something that just completely rocked my world. Um, I, I heard that Mariah Carey and Jennifer Lopez had beef. And, yeah, gosh, wow, yes. Uh, and I, I knew, like, deep down, it was probably because Mariah Carey heard about me and Jennifer Lopez. And so that's, I just, and so I actually had to leave seminary to go on. No, I'm joking. I didn't leave. Um, but they really did have beef, though, in real life. Well, what had happened was this. Um, one day, Mariah Carey was on the red carpet, and as she's on the red carpet, someone asked her, what do you think about Beyonce? And she was like, oh, love Beyonce. Uh, and they said, well, what do you think about Jennifer Lopez? And Mariah Carey said this. She said, Jennifer Lopez? I don't know her. Ooh, the shade, right? Uh, and for years, people would ask her, Mariah, seriously, like, why did you say you don't know Jennifer Lopez? I don't know her. So people ask Jennifer Lopez, why is Mariah Carey saying, I don't know you? Clearly, she knows you, right? Your, 
your, your manager was her ex-husband. Y'all were at the same award shows. Y'all know the same people. We've seen pictures of y'all in the same places. And she said, I don't, I don't know why she's saying that. Like, maybe she's just being, like, really shady. I don't know what's going on with her. Like, clearly we know each other. So about 10 years, 10 years into this, one day Mariah Carey is on a TV show. And the host said, Mariah, why do you say I don't know her? about Jennifer Lopez, and she said something that I think everyone should pay very close attention to. She said, I say I don't know her because I don't know her. Do I know about Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, I know about her. I, I know she's a singer. I, I know she's an actress. I know she's a dancer and a model. I know that, yes, my ex-husband was her manager. I've been at the same award shows. I've been in her presence on a number of occasions, but I've never had a single conversation with the woman in my life. I've never spoken with her, and she's never spoken to me. Therefore, I don't know her, and she doesn't know me. Just like my fans don't know me, they know about me, they don't know me, I don't know her. Like that's, that's profound. And what she said about Jennifer Lopez can be applied to our relationship with God, with Jesus. We're fasting now, we feel the ache, we're drawn to prayer, but we must be drawn to a person who we actually know. Do I know God? Do I know the person that I'm trying to receive his love, who's trying to love me? Do I know God? I actually know him. Mother Teresa had this question for her nuns. I know Father Andrew loves St. Teresa of Calcutta, and I'm sure he said this to you many times, but I will say this again. Mother Teresa, looking at her nuns in a letter she wrote to them, said to them, I'm worried about you, to sisters, to nuns, missionaries of charity. I'm worried about you. I'm worried that some of you still don't know. Jesus, that you still have not seen with your own eyes the way that he looks at you. You've not heard with your own ears the words of love that he speaks to you. We don't know Jesus. How do we come to know Jesus so that we can abide in his love that he has for us, that he's dying to give to us? We must know him in the sacred scriptures. We must know the word of God. We must spend time with his word. St. Saint, Saint Jerome says, ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And the more time we spend with Jesus in the scriptures, particularly the gospels, the more we will come to actually know him, know the dispositions of his heart, the way that he looks, the way that he speaks, how he interacts with us in prayer that we're drawn to because of our, because of our fast. Jesus wants to speak to you and to me. And he wants for us to speak to him. So how, how do we communicate with God in prayer? There's a method of prayer I'm, I'm sure you may have heard before. It's called A-R-R-R. Have you all heard about that before? Say R with me real quick. Okay, kids, I'm gonna, let's try this one more time. A little bit, <laughs> right? Let's try like a pirate now. Say R. Good job. So. I like to throw some swag on everything I do, a little bit sauce. And so A-R-R, A-R-R, one more R, five, wait, one, two, three, A-R-R-R, something like that. All right, so I had an extra one, I had an extra one. And so the first one is acknowledge. All right, so we know Jesus from the time we spend with him in the scripture, and we acknowledge our thoughts and our feelings and our desires. I just acknowledge it first and foremost. And then we do what we, we relate. We relate our thoughts, our feelings, 
our desires to God, like the real ones, not just like the pious ones, like, but like the real things that we're going through. Like, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling with my vocation. I'm struggling with this class, with this friendship. I'm struggling with my prayer, with my lack of virtue or my growth in virtue. God, I'm, whatever it is that we're going through, I relate that to God. Right? Relate it to him. St. Teresa of Avila says, prayer, for it to be authentic, we must know who we're talking to and what we're talking about. So we don't just acknowledge it and keep it to ourselves and think about it ourselves. We actually relate it to God. Relate this to God. Relate it to God with vocally by speaking out loud or on paper or through a song. But we relate this to, to Jesus, who we know from our time with him in Scripture. And after we relate our thoughts and our feelings and our desires to God, whether we write them on paper or speak them out loud or sing them in a song, then we receive. We receive from God. How do we receive from God? From his word. We go back to his voice. We speak, he speaks in the scriptures. We receive, we read the passage. What is it saying? We meditate on that passage. What does it say to me? We pray with that passage in our meditation, having a conversation again, back and forth with God where we speak more. And the reason why I'm, I'm emphasizing speaking, right, even out loud or on paper or in song is because Sometimes if, in the beginning, if we try to cultivate this relationship with Jesus in silence too soon, we might do what? We might just drift off, right? So we go with the best of intention, but because we're not saying it out loud or on paper or in song, we end up spending 15, 20, 30 minutes to an hour just daydreaming, not actually attentive to the face of God, to the voice of our Savior. So we do this out loud on paper. We don't do it out loud if you're like, you know, in the Adoration Chapel. That would be so annoying. <laughs> there was a seminarian in, in, in seminary. Every time he received communion, we'd go back to the kneeler, and he was super, like, holy and just awesome guy. But every time he received Jesus, he would kneel down and say, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Oh, God, you are so good. And I'd be sitting next to him like, bro, shut up. Like, <laughs> I love Jesus too, and I know he loves me, but I can't pray right now because you are distracting me with your words. So, like, Get a pen and paper and write that down to him. Like, write him a note. But like sometimes people, right? <laughs> so we relate that to the Lord. We receive in his word. Receive from the Lord. And after that, we just sit with the Lord. We sit with him. We rest. I rest in Jesus. I rest in his presence. Like any relationship in the beginning we speak a lot and we ask a lot of stories. We listen to the other person. We share our hearts. But once we grow in intimacy with another person, we talk a lot less, don't we? We're fine with literally going and sitting with them in their presence in silence. I don't have to say words anymore. I enjoy just being with you. Then after we rest with the Lord, and if during that time of rest, I need to say this, if we find that we're very distracted during rest with the Lord, during the gaze between God and, and us, then that's the Holy Spirit's invitation for us to go back to more meditation. Write more, read more, speak more, sing more, whatever that might be. If we find that we struggle with the meditation, the writing, the speaking, the singing, then we rest. That's, that's, that's the discernment. Right? Where, where am I able to just be and abide? And then after that, we, we respond. We simply respond to the Lord like, with a concrete action based on my time with Jesus in prayer. An example of this um, happened to me a number of years ago. I, um, I, I was in seminary, and there was a, a priest who I looked up to. Um, I, I saw him as a mentor, and, um, and one day we were hanging out, and 
And he said to me, and I really wanted his affirmation because he was like just a, a really uh, good priest. And one day he said to me while we were talking, he said, Josh, I want you to know, I want you to know that I can tell you want to be holy. I can tell you want to be holy, but Josh, I want you to know that you will never be as holy as some of those other seminarians. So I don't even know why, like, don't even try. Oh, it was like the worst thing I could have ever heard. I just felt so defeated. Why would he say that to me? If he doesn't think I'm holy, I'm probably not holy. Why should I even discern the priesthood? I'm not going to be a good priest. I'm not going to be a saint. And I was so frustrated because I invested so much um, into his opinion of me. And I remember leaving that conversation and acknowledging, acknowledging to God, like, I'm so upset right now. And I'm so ashamed. And I'm so hurt. <laughs> God, I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting. And I related that to the Lord vocally, out loud. I spoke it to him. I spoke it to Jesus. And then what I received in the scripture was the words from Jesus where he says, all you who are weary, you find life weary and burdensome, I want you to come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. So what I received from him, and so I did that. I, I went to the nearest adoration chapel and I went to the blessed sacrament and I knelt down before Jesus and I said, Jesus, here I am. You said, come to me. What, tell me, tell me you want me. Tell me you see me. Tell me you want me to be a priest. Tell me, tell me I'm good enough for you, Jesus. You said, come, here I am, Lord. And as I continued to receive the scripture that came to me was from John 13 where Jesus says, I love you. I love you. Then John 17, you are a gift. Father, he is your gift to me. I'm a gift. All of a sudden, I didn't need anyone else's affirmation, anyone else's acknowledgement. I was resting now. Resting in the presence of my Savior. Resting in the truth of my identity as his. Resting with the Lord and abiding in relationship with the truth of who I am and whose I am. Not in the opinions of the world or in the eyes of many, but in my Father's delight. Resting there. Which led me to respond. Jesus, for now on, for now on, I will always prioritize my time with you. I will always prioritize my time with you in the sacred scriptures, in the word inscribed, and also the word made flesh in the blessed sacrament. I will always prioritize this time with you, Jesus, sitting with you, so I can always, always abide in your truth and remain in your love. Your love. What I experienced a number of years ago is not something that is isolated for me. What I experienced from the Lord is an invitation that he proposes for all of us. And he invites each and every single one of us to experience. To literally, to literally abide in truth that is revealed to us from our relationship with Jesus in the context of prayer. And to remain, to remain in the intimate an infinite love that he has for us right now in this moment. If it is your desire to abide 
in his truth of how he sees you and how he knows you and how he loves you, if you want to remain in that relationship on earth as it is in heaven, then I want to invite you to kneel, to kneel down right now and open your heart. Open your heart, reveal your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires. Everything, the good and the bad and the ugly, reveal it all and share it with him. And then let him speak truth and let him love you now and for all eternity.